Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I told Eliza, I said, there's so much going on in the spirit right now. It's hard to figure out if I'm coming or going. I, you know, it's just all around us. But this, what has happened in Israel yesterday is, is unbelievable. And you know, it, what happened in Israel, you might think, well, that, that's way over there. That doesn't bother me. Well, actually, it does. Because... What happened there impacts us because we are forever grateful for the Jewish people. We wouldn't be who we are today if it wasn't for a Jew. And they are, they're our family. And so in Israel, what has happened with this, uh, with this terrorist attack in which, you know, hundreds, I mean, the number keeps climbing 400 have been killed, over 2,000 injured, um, and it's still, they're still fighting right now. And um, this whole thing has shaken the entire world. And um, I really believe that, you know, the Scripture says God doesn't slumber or sleep. He wasn't asleep on the job when this happened. He knew what was happening. And God's got a plan to rout the enemy and turn this whole thing around for good. And God has got a plan in all of this. And in that, I, I really believe that we need to take some time. It would just, it wouldn't be right for us just to go right on into business as usual with the rest of our service and not pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It is so important right now that we pray you know, obviously there's been bombs. They said over almost 5,000 bombs were launched, rockets were launched. So we need to be praying for the body of Christ. We need to be praying for the Jews. But let's believe that even God can use this awful event that's taken place and that the eyes of, of the Jewish people would be opened to see their Messiah, to see that Jesus is the Messiah. And that we begin to pray for, for their healing and for their restoration. We begin to pray uh, even for the liberation of those that have been captured. There are many, many women, children, elderly. I mean, they were capturing elderly in wheelchairs and taking them away. So we've got to uh, trust and believe that those that were captured are going to be uh, set free and released. So there is so much going on right now that we, the body of Christ, we need to come around um, our brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray for Israel. This is so impactful. And it, it, the effects of it, I, I've been feeling deep within my heart. It's just like it's shaken me just because of what is taking place. So um, would you all just agree with me in prayer? Um, that Israel, because the scripture says that salvation is for the Jews. And so we need to trust and believe that salvation is going to come to Israel and that many people are going to come to know Jesus through even all this hardship and calamity and, and just um, very painful situations that are going on. 
So let's just be in faith and let's just pray right now. Father, we thank you and praise you that this didn't sneak up on you because you never, you don't sleep or slumber. You're, You're watchful over your people, Israel. And Father, we thank you that you've called us to pray for Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for your peace to be on the borders, to pray, Lord Jesus, that the ancient borders never be removed. And God, we're asking now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, your glorious kingdom will now come upon Israel. And Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus that Father, those that are crying out, that are hurting, that, Lord, those that are hurting right now, that you would bring the healing balm of Jesus, and we would see healing break forth in Israel. Those that are hurting, those bodies that are broken, those that are being uh, tormented. In the name of Jesus, we're asking now for the healing balm of Gilead to be released over Israel, and you would bring healing to your people. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you comfort those whose hearts are breaking right now. We would ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would come upon those that have been captured. And we're asking, God, that you would set them free. God, we're asking that you would find them and release them, those that are being held captive this day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking that you give Israel wisdom and direction that... that um, that Netanyahu would have wisdom from above in knowing how to lead his na- the nation of Israel. Father, let wisdom be given to the leader, governmental leaders, to the military. Father, we're asking right now that peace and restoration and healing will come to the land. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking right now that what the enemy has meant for harm, God, you would turn this thing around for good. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you that your mighty hand, Father, is being stretched out over Israel right now. And, Father, right now, we ask that you bring an end to the enemy's plans. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatsoever is bound on earth is bound in heaven, and we bind the enemy's plans at work in Israel right now. And, God, we just pray that your spirit be released over Israel. We're asking, God, that revival would come to the land. We're asking, Lord, that the people's eyes would be open to seeing Jesus as the Messiah. And, God, we just declare revival is going to come to Israel. So, Father, bless Israel with your spirit. We're asking, Lord, that you would comfort all those that are hurting. And, Lord Jesus, right now, we're asking that your shalom peace would permeate throughout the land. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for Israel. And we're asking, God, that you would restore all things and make all things new in Israel. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I've been talking about the exchange life and how... um, that everything that we need in life pertaining to our, our physical body, our soul, our emotions, our spirit, everything that we need is satisfied at the cross. Everything. 
anything that you're having to struggle with, the answer is found here. Where we think that there's a multitude of answers for all of our problems, and the reality is that there's not. It's all focused on one perfect sacrifice that in that sacrifice we are, we, are, we are sanctified and made perfect forevermore. It is the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and through that incredible sacrifice that you and I can have life abundantly in every aspect of our life. So if you're struggling with emotional problems, you're you're struggling with physical problems, you're struggling with um, pain and heartache, you're struggling with rejection, you're struggling with feeling alone, everything is leveled out on one playing field and is met through our wondrous Savior's cross. So I want to just share this with you real quick, that The whole gospel message that we hear about every Sunday all comes down to this historical fact. It's a historical fact that he died on the cross for you. It isn't something that, you know, we just read about and, well, that's just a nice story. No, it, yeah, it is a story. But it's a story that's historical. It happened. And in that, it says, for by one offering... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So there are two powerful expressions in this. You're perfected and it's forever. So this is the gift that keeps on giving. And it doesn't stop. And in that, you know, we, we seem to just saddle the cross just on the atonement of our sin, which is huge in itself. But that's just the starters. It opens the door for more, so many other things that, that will uh, touch our lives and it covers them and meets them. So in that, there's a multitude of problems that all of us are struggling with. And, and a lot of times we try to find the answer or the solution to our problems in so many different places. And we, we haven't really maybe at times realized that as simple as it sounds, it is all pertaining to the cross and what Jesus did for you because it, is a, it has been perfected and it's forever. So that means the effects of it are going to last in your life for a really long time. And in that, I want us to read Romans 6. Six, real quick. So knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that is with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what we're looking at is here's the, here's the exchange that takes place on the cross. The exchange that takes place on the cross is your old man 
for the new man. The old man for the new man. So all of those that call upon the name of the Lord and invite Him into your life as Lord and Savior, you're blood washed, you're cleansed in the blood. At that very moment that that happens and you're baptized in water, there's a great exchange that takes place. The old man that you've drug around with, that's been with you a really long time, is crucified. And understanding that in exchange, you're given a new man, a new person. So in dealing with this, we understand that, um, that the cross is what enables the new man to come forth in your life, a new person. So I want you to understand this in Romans 6, a little more clear. Romans 6, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, it is a past tense. It is not a perfect tense, meaning that it's, it actually took place. When Jesus died on the cross, the scripture is very clear that your old man died with him. So it is a fact, it's done, it's over with. So when you receive Christ, your old man was nailed to the cross. And then even though that happened how many years ago, 2,000 years ago? It is a present tense reality that when you accept Christ and you're washed in the, in the water, you go under the water, that the old man is nailed to the cross. Now, who is the old man? The old man is the very nature, the Adamic nature of Adam that you were born with. So the very nature of Adam that is inside of all of us, you know, when, when it says that the old man has died, it's not that your physical body has died. It is the very nature of the old man, of Adam, that's who dies. That's who's nailed to the cross. So the very nature of the old life has been nailed to the cross. And so no longer, no longer does the enemy have a claim on your life. No longer does the enemy have a hold on your life anymore. No longer are you a slave to sin anymore. No longer are you one that's subject to just whatever the enemy wants to do in, in your life. You are no longer in bondage to him. His claim over your life has been abolished, has been destroyed. So he doesn't have a hold on you anymore. And so in that, this reality is something that we are going to walk through in the next day, next week. Because I, I, just to even get into it, it's going to, I can't get out of it when I get too far into it. So I don't know how to get out of it. So I'm just so excited because the glorious part of this is that Paul says, for I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. The person you are on the inside 
when you accepted Jesus, that old man is no longer there. And so this is a reality that we have to embrace and believe for it to actually uh, take place in our lives. We have to appropriate this. And what I'm going to show you next week is that Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, my old man, but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who delivered me. So the reality is, is that you have an old man that's been uh, crucified. But also Paul talks about putting to death also the deeds of the flesh. So what's the difference? I thought the old man was dead. Yeah, he is dead. The nature of Adam is dead. But the flesh, our fleshly desires and our passions is something that we have to appropriate. That means that, you know, if you're a a moody person or if you're a fearful person or if you are a people-pleasing person or if you are a fear man person or if you are a rascal kind of person. I don't know. (laughs) You could be any kind of person. But next week I want to talk about what does it mean for you to crucify your passions and your desires? What does that mean for the life of Christ to be formed within you? Well, it's going to involve for you to first realize that you're no longer a slave to sin. But you have to appropriate this historical fact that your nature was crucified on the cross. It's a historical fact. But for this historical fact to take place, you by faith have to believe that you're just not going to keep sinning on in life. If you, know, if you think you're a sinner, guess what? You're going to sin. If you're going to keep on doing the same thing of falling into sin, you know, Jesus says um, that, that, that um, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. If you believe that you're going to keep sinning, guess what's going to happen? You're going to keep sinning. But the reality is, is that, that we have to appropriate in faith this glorious thing that took place at the cross. And so therefore, now we have to appropriate it we have to crucify the, the passions and the pleasures and the mind that is set against God and has enmity with God, actually, is what it said. So the reality is, is that when it comes to moodiness, I don't know anybody here struggle with moodiness. Nails hurt. And, you know, you can still feel the pain of the nails even though you're alive in Christ. Because there's actually aspects of your life that, that you're, you're having. You know, the Holy Spirit, remember it says that you're sanctified and perfected forevermore. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit 
has a wonderful ability to show you areas in your life that are of the flesh, that are, that are wrong. And I have to tell you something. You know, I think the more I get, the more I grow in the Lord, the more all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just does a little uh, Jehovah sneaky. He comes up on me and he shows me something in my life. And I'm like, how did that get there? You know, how is that operating in my life? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that was there. But he's so kind and that he'll reveal the areas. So when he shows you areas where let's just say you're you're you want to be a man pleaser or you're fearful. When those things come up, you say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you were crucified and I am crucified with you in Christ. But these areas of my flesh, I'm choosing this day to appropriate the finished work of the cross in my life today. And I declare these areas are now dead. I am no longer going to walk in moodiness, in fearfulness, in jealousy, and in competition, in wanting to be liked by everybody. I had the worst problem with wanting to be liked by everybody. I didn't want anybody to not like me, so I did everything to make people like me. And being a man pleaser is horrible. And I I learned it early on in my job when when I got into my first job at the YMCA and I was a program director and I wanted everybody there to like me. And all of a sudden I found out there were people that didn't like me and actually they didn't want me. And they tried to get rid of me and they tried to kick me out of my job. And I left there going into another job in sales. I wanted everybody to like me. And there were people there that hated me. And I'm like, why do they hate me? And then I go from that job into another job and I get accused of things. And, and, and people are talking about me in ways in which were not right. So I left that job and I go to another job and I get fired. And I kept going around the mountain. I kept going around the mountain. I kept going around the mountain. I'm like, man, I've seen this before. And it's like the Holy Spirit was finally getting my attention that man-pleasing and the fear of man is something that needed to die in my life. I could not continue walking in my flesh of wanting to be a man-pleaser. So what did I have to do? I had to crucify it. I had to declare it is not a part of me. And so in that, I want to get into next week in practically how you do this, practically how you appropriate this incredible event that's taken place, this historical fact that Jesus died for us and how we apply it in our lives so that we don't just continue walking around in the very nature of the old man that is actually dead. You know, it's no fun dragging behind you a dead man. But you know, the reality is, is that when we were baptized in water, guess what? The enemy's claim over your life was broken. And the change that held that old man 
I tell people when, when they're water baptized, there's more happening under the water than there is on the outside. And that what's happening is that the claim, the enemy's right is being broken. So that old man that you've been dragging behind you is cut and you're free. You're free to be who you are in Christ Jesus as a new person. And next week, I'm going to talk about who that new person is. See, your new person, each of you are a new person in Christ. And it's not like you got this supersized, energized, better looking, nicer person. Have you ever thought about who your new person is? Who's your new person? What does your person look like? How does he talk? Well, the new person really isn't a new person, meaning you. The new person is Jesus. Jesus is the new person in your life. It's no longer... See, your old man was executed. Your old man was executed with Jesus. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. So the glorious hope and the thing that I want us to walk in and understand is that the Kaiser family, as they are going to Africa, each of them are carriers of a new person, and that is Jesus. They're taking Jesus to Africa. That sounds like a great movie, you know? Jesus to Africa. But the reality is, is that I'm standing here a shell of a person. Because the reality is my old man has been dealt a blow. He's been executed. And now there's a new man that stepped on the inside of me. And he's, his name is Jesus. You know, Paul says, we must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like, put him on like a glove. So that when people see you, I mean, just the reality, think about it. Walking around on the inside of you and living out his life and, and talking through you, thinking through you, is the personhood of Jesus is on the inside of you. That really puts a new perspective on things when you think about when you want to do something sinful or you want to say something that's not right or if you want to go and, and do an action that you know is not right to realize that he's right in you looking at everything going, mm-hmm. You really want to do that? You really want to give in to that? You really want to fall back into the old ways of your old man? The reality of Jesus inside of you is the mystery and the hope of all of us. Paul says the mystery of all ages is this, that he kept hidden for a long time, is that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus gets a chance to live out his life through you. A person is inside of you, which is phenomenal to think about. 
So I can't live out my life anymore because my life is not here anymore. It's his life, and he's living out his life in me. It puts on a whole new perspective of how we're to be a Christian on this earth. It's not discovering who you are. It's discovering Christ within you. You know, we always think about, I don't know who I am in Christ. What I, you know, it's like yourself has been crucified and killed, executed, no more, gone. Out of here, baby. And now it's Jesus in you, which gives you purpose and hope. So the exciting thing is, is that we have a family. They're all carriers of Jesus going to Africa. And the hope of Christ is going to a nation that is in need of Jesus. And we get, it, we get to participate in praying for them and to encourage them and to support them that the works of God be displayed in and through their lives. And so I, um, I, I put my toe in the water just now so I want to get back into it maybe next week, but um, I'm just grateful so much for this family, for this church, and I am excited. I feel like that we could see even more people launch from this church. We could probably see some more people even visiting the Kaiser family in Africa. But the reality is, is that we're to be ascending church. People that are going forth in the name of the Lord to see Jesus spread throughout all the earth. So let's go ahead and um, let's stand. Father, I just thank you and praise you for this church. And God, I, I thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in all of our lives, and it's by your Spirit. It's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by your Spirit. And Lord, I just praise you and thank you that, Lord, you're doing a work in our hearts in this church so that Christ be glorified and honored. And Lord, I pray today that you would establish your word in our hearts because, Lord, your, your word cannot fail, and it will not come back void. Lord, your word says that the, gla- the grass withers and, and the flower fades, but your word will stand forever. And God, I thank you that you have put your word within our hearts. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that Christ within us be formed. I thank you, God. This mystery of all ages has come forth and been made known that it is Christ within us, the hope of glory. So, Lord, I pray today that hope would arise in our hearts, that even though there's so much going on in the world around us, that, Lord, we would have hope. Hope would arise and that we would see that good things are ahead for us, that you have good things in store for each of us, And I pray today, Lord, that hope would be an anchor to our soul, that we would be anchored in you and established in you. 
And Lord, I thank you and I praise you so much, Lord, for what you're going to do in in our hearts, in our lives, in our families. And Lord, we thank you that Asheville, Asheville is going to come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, we're asking that you would shift things in Asheville. And Lord, on the eve of, of, a, of a night that is celebrated in Asheville that can tend to be a very dark night, Father, we're asking that your light would so shine in Asheville that they would see a great light. And Father, we're asking that your kingdom come and your will be done in Asheville and that the light the good news would go forth once again. And we thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.